fear made his hands shake. Private First Class O'Neill would blame the chill Iraqi air if his fellow soldiers noticed his palsy. Admitting his fear was intolerable, a fearful turret gunner was, was a liability to the crew and the vehicle he had to protect. The rest of his crew wouldn't understand his fear, since they were surrounded by nothing but night and wind. O'Neill peered over the armored parapet of his turret. He saw the surrounding orange trees, hundreds of foul suns bobbing and swaying in the wind. He couldn't make out much else through the trees and bushes lining the road. Occasionally the wind pushed the sound of a distant generator that was powering the feeble lights of a distant farmhouse. There was nothing to be afraid of, which was the source of O'Neill's phobia. His mind filled the darkness with black-clad Iraqis bent on murdering him. Whenever he was in danger of nodding off, the danger became an irate drill sergeant waiting to catch him asleep at his post. Despite the armored protection of his vehicle, despite being armed with a belt-fed machine gun and a rifle within arm's reach, and despite being surrounded by men who would kill and die to protect him, he was afraid. I'm nineteen years old and still afraid of the dark, he thought. He loathed himself as he imagined the humiliation of admitting his feelings to his buddy Brown and his fire team leader, Sergeant Mendoza. They'd probably ask if he wanted his mommy and a new diaper before going to sleep. O'Neill shook the contents of a tiny bottle of Tabasco sauce onto his finger, then rubbed it into his gums. The pain kept him awake and kept his mind away from the apparition scuttling through the orange orchard. The distant glow of Baghdad was some comfort. The light pollution seemed to defy the abyss that stretched to the west over the Euphrates River and into the desert. Something cracked in the darkness. O'Neill clutched his machine gun and squeezed it against his shoulder. His knuckles went white as the weapon trembled along with him. The weapon was oriented toward the rear of the Humvee, not toward the bump in the night. Sergeant Mendoza had told him to keep his machine gun pointed down the road in case some Iraqi decided tonight was the night to drive around after curfew hours. The stacked razor wire along the roadside would ward off any threat to their flanks. At least, that was what Sergeant Mendoza had told him. O'Neill looked toward the other Humvee parked fifty yards down the road. The other Humvee watched over an enormous bomb crater at the nearby road intersection. Insurgents had blown a hole six feet deep and twenty feet wide in the intersection, which made logistics efforts along one of the few paved roads in this part of Iraq a lot harder than they already were. Brigade promised engineers would be out after dawn to fix the road, but Someone had to babysit the crater until the engineers arrived. The insurgents had a nasty habit of planting bombs where they knew the engineers would work. So the two Humvees would sit where they were until the engineers showed up and probably stay there until they finished the repairs. 
At this rate, he'd get back to the patrol base for a long overdue shower by next never. He ran a trembling hand over the ammo links, leading it to his M240 machine gun, then keyed the walkie-talkie attached to his armor. Hey, Eldridge, time to change sectors of fire. No response from the other gunner. Eldridge, you copy? Nothing. O'Neill cursed under his breath. If Eldridge had nodded off, there would be hell to pay when Sergeant Mendoza found out. He thought for a moment, then figured out how he could help his buddy. O'Neill pushed aside the strap that served as his turret seat and squatted next to Specialist Brown, who was fast asleep while wrapped in a poncho. After a quick glance around the Humvee, O'Neill realized he was the only one awake in the vehicle. He shook Brown's shoulder until the soldier awoke with a snort. 